Hello, Achroiso. Hello, and welcome to this BAFTA Your Game Career panel, which is part of the Guru Live Online Spring 21 program and a joint initiative between BAFTA Cymru and BAFTA Scotland. My name is Gav Murphy, and today we will be celebrating and inspiring the next generation of Scottish and Welsh talent. There's also a load of other special panels and masterclasses on this week, so make sure you check them out. Um, these virtual events are amazing, and they're part of BAFTA's Learning to Work Share and share expertise from film, games, and television with audiences far and wide. So make sure you check out BAFTA.org and BAFTA's social channels for more activity and news. You can join in the conversation. You can say how handsome we all look if you want uh, by going on social media at hashtag Guru Live. Um, ask your questions as well. Please send them in via the Q&A function on Zoom, and then we'll pick some of the best ones then to ask at the end. Closed caption is also available now, which you can turn on at the bottom of your screen, which is amazing. Yeah, so you should know exactly how to do that now. Uh, so finally, let's meet our amazing panel of developers. So we've got David Banner, Managing Director of Wales Interactive. We've got DL Barnes, who's Senior Game Engineer at Outplay. Zoe Sams, who's the Tools Programmer at Rockstar North. And we've got Erin Stevenson, who's a 3D animator at Puny Astronaut. Um, so everyone is there looking amazing. I'm going to kick things off by asking each of you to introduce yourselves by telling us what you do and what a typical week looks like for you. So Dave, do you want to take us away? Yeah, so hi, everybody. Um, yeah, so my name is David Banner, but everybody knows me as Di, which is basically Welsh for Disney. Um, uh, I am uh, an award-winning artist, designer, producer, director, and video games entrepreneur. A lot of stuff. We didn't do it all in a week in the last 26 years of my career. Uh, a week for me, um, because I run a games company, it's quite hectic. So I just come off a, a marketing meeting. So I manage uh, five uh, projects we got live at the moment. So it's literally talking to lots of talented people and uh, and basically um, making sure that everything's uh, in production is, is on schedule, really. That's amazing. When you say talented people, you're obviously directing that towards me, right? Yes, Gav. And okay, good. Handsome just, talented just, people. I'm just checking. That's all. I'm just checking. Uh, DL, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and what a typical work week looks like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so, hi, I'm uh, DL. I'm a senior uh, game engineer in Outplay. Um, I'm currently working on a casual mobile game called Crafty Candy. Um, so, Currently, I'm working on a new event for the game. And um, yeah, usually a typical work week would be just um, impl implementing um, new features, um, doing improvements on the game, and, and of course, the never ending bug fixing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Zoe, how are you doing? Hello. Yeah, good. How are you? Very good, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm Zoe. I'm a tools programmer at Rockstar North. Um, I have been working in the industry for about five years now, and I've done a couple other kind of extracurricular things in that time. I do, um, like I used to be on the board of directors for IGDA Scotland, where we put on events throughout Scotland, and I currently am running a, a charity streaming event as well. Um, but a general week for me, tools programming is is essentially creating um, tools, either plugins or, or standalone tools to help um, everyone get there after the game really we're kind of the the middle ground we don't touch the game directly but everything that is in video games will go through our tools amazing and last but obviously not least erin how are you doing thank you um 
Nervous, good. Yeah, no, it's it's fun to be here. It's we. Um, my name is Erin, obviously. Um, I'm at an indie studio called Puny Astronaut. We're still working on our debut game, Sky, at the moment. And um, although you said I'm a 3D animator, typical week for me, I'll actually do the character design concept and rigging and all that fun stuff. It's amazing. very fast paced, but good. Love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, we've got an amazing panel of people. So let's get into some questions. Remember, if you've got any questions for any of them, just stick them in the Q&A at the bottom there. Um, I was going to ask you guys, just to start things off, this is, I guess, the easiest one is, are there studios or developers that inspire you? Like, what's a studio or developer that really inspires you? So I'm going to go to Erin first. Wow. Um... It looking at loads of different indie studios and things like that. Like um, the one that I love to look at at the moment is um, Agro Crab over in Seattle. They just brought out a really fun game, but it's um, yeah, it's it's fun to see what a kind of small amount of people can can bring to the table. Um, with yeah, amazing. Uh, same question then to Zoe. Yeah, so um, one of the games that really kind of made me fall in love with game development and kind of realize what my career progression would be was Pokemon Crystal, which I have in the background at all times. Um, but basically there was kind of two reasons behind it. The first was that it was obviously one of the first Pokemon games that had uh, women as a protagonist. And, and that was something that I hadn't actually even realized at that age. I was quite young at the time. I hadn't even realized I hadn't seen. Um, and I got very excited. I got very kind of absorbed in that game. Um, and then the other thing was that... Um, there it was the first time there were in-game battle animations as well and i realized that everything looked like it was coming to life and specifically i focus on animation tools so that kind of area instantly drove me to where i am at today and what i kind of love to do it was so exciting for me as a kid <laughs> that's amazing Di, how about you what are some studios or developers that inspire you so so i go back a bit further so i i started back in 95 so so my reference points are a bit earlier. So it was a game I played called uh, James Pond Robocod. Oh, what a game. What a game. I was game. obsessed by that. And then I luckily got invited to go to that studio when I was a job in, trying to get my first job in the, the game industry. So I saw that. That was my first studio I saw behind the scenes of, sort of reinforced. Wow. I suppose now uh, uh, we, we work with so many different uh, cool creatives from around the world. So go get me. A production company, so we make a lot of interactive films. So at the moment, they are my heroes because we, you know, we, we make we work with lots of talented actors and writers, and directors, and uh, yeah, they they're the ones that are inspirational for that for us. Ah, that's awesome, man. Um, don't worry about feeling old. I, I, you know, I'm a bit younger than you. I remember that, so that's okay. Yeah, uh, I, I don't mind, but it's a fact. I, I, I <laughs> predate my my era was 64 and Amiga, so that I go back way way back then. That's good. That means we've got like a big breadth of uh, of talent and ages on this panel, including DL. So what is uh, a studio or developer that inspires you? Um, uh, right now, uh, it's Larian Studios, because uh, um, I played uh, one of their games, uh, Divinity Origin, Origin said, um, and it really gave me like, a very good experience. It was really engaging and so I play that with my friends uh, at uni when I was doing the masters, and um, I just I just can't imagine how much uh, work they've 
that that have got into that game. So yeah, it really inspired me to push uh, uh, on the path of game development. Amazing. Um, I know like everybody's journeys into games are very, very different, um, but I'm going to go to uh, you, Erin, first for this. Uh, sorry, to you, Zoe, first for this. And um, like what key attributes do you think people should have if they're thinking about forging a career in games, do you think? Hmm, it's a good question. I think a lot of people assume that um, if you want to make games, you need to have known that that was always what you wanted to do and that mm. it needs to be something that from like a young age that you had like solidified. And I studied musical theater before I did games. That wasn't like in my initial career path. I didn't even know games were something you could make. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the time people think they need to have been programmers for 20 years before they actually even get a job. Um, yeah. But the most important things I think to focus on are actually your communication skills and things that are very often considered soft skills because what you will be doing when you're creating games is talking to people all the time. You need to be communicating with different teams if you're in AAA there's there's lots of people around that you need to be communicating with working with but even if you are a solo game creator you need to be able to talk to people in marketing you need to be able to get the word of your game out like any kind of communication that you can have and and connections with others is is super important and I do think that comes maybe even first before any of the technical skill like mm. I think that's just so important absolutely that's amazing um, should we go to Erin then for the same question? Good. Okay. Because I was, I was just thinking like <laughs> everything that and more. Um, yeah. Cause it's, a, you know, a little bit of enthusiasm to try and get your ideas across and more so than anything with the communication side of things, it's, um, everybody around you is, is maybe even been through the same problems that you have. Um, and it saves you scrolling through Google all the time where you can just talk to someone across the way or someone that you met at a conference or something. It's, it's great. Mm. And everybody likes to talk to each other as well. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, DL, what do you think uh, the key attributes for people who are starting out in games should have? Um, actually, kind of the same uh, with what uh, they have said. Um, well, uh, coming from an engineering perspective, uh, uh, I would uh, uh, one has to uh, know how to uh, communicate um, technical things in a way that non-technical um, people would understand. Because uh, you know you need to get everyone on the same page, everyone on your team on the same page. So your project uh, goes in the right direction. So yeah, communication is really important. Amazing. Dai, have you got anything to add for that one? Yeah, well, honestly, uh, the, the points everybody's raised there are spot on. I, I would say passion is a big thing. Obviously, my my core skill is that I could draw as an artist. Um, and I connected that skill with my my hobby, I suppose, which was making games. And I thought somebody's got to make games somewhere. Perhaps I could do art for games. Yeah. Whatever your skill is, and the, there's so many different, the broad range of skills needed. Like you said, like Zoe said, everybody thinks you've got to be a programmer. I'm not a programmer, right? My skill is I could draw, I could design, I could communicate, right? So even like accountancy can be a thing in games now. It's whatever mm. you 
there's 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 going to be a, a role that you could fit into in games. So passion for games is important. And the other thing I would say is initiative, right? You've got to use an initiative to get to where you want to be, but you haven't got to be in one fell swoop, but you've got to maneuver over that career, you know. Um, like I said, Zoe started in musical theatre, and that's not what she does now, you know. So it's about moving into uh, into areas and upscaling, I suppose. I love it. No, I think add something sorry, else. Sorry. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Go for it. It was just when it was talking about Google and things like that as well, and an initiative. I think it's important to know how to learn, and and that because you speaking like from a programming point of view, but I, I, I'm assuming it probably applies to other disciplines as well. Nobody expects you to know every single piece of programming knowledge and every syntax and every language. And even if you have known that in the past, no one expects you to retain all that information as well. You have to be skilled, sure, but we're human beings. Sometimes that knowledge does get lost. You can ask what you think are silly questions. You can research them. You need to know where to look, things like that. That's also an important skill. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I'm 35 now and everything that I've ever done, I've never, I've always had the confidence to just go, I actually have no idea what's going on here. Can someone please explain it to me? And I think that is actually a really good trait. It doesn't, you think it would make you look sort of weak, but it actually doesn't. And then you don't end up, you know, in a situation that is going to be infinitely harder than I think. Um, I know everybody's obviously, uh, it's sort of different, but, um, Dai, what, uh, what do you think, new entrants should expect their first couple of years in games to look like? Um, well, again, like I said, it's so diverse now. Like I said, there are courses now. When I first started, there wasn't a thing. There wasn't any games courses. Now there's many diverse games courses for science-based ones, you know, art-based, and even now business skills. You know, right. I think for anybody wanting to, you know, uh, earn a living from making games. When I had my first paycheck from making a game, I thought mm. I'd, I'd arrived. I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve, you know, my little summit. I forgot Penavan, which is the highest peak in South Wales. I'd reached Penavan. I, I got paid for, uh, you know, for doing something which I thought was, uh, you know, a dream job, you know. But that first year is about learning. It's about learning to work professionally with a team, you know, communication. And again, it's not being afraid of fail, I suppose. And a bit, hopefully working with employers, which will embrace the fact you are going to fail and they need to support you on that journey like through projects. Amazing. DL, how about you? I mean, what, what do you think, you know, the first couple of years in games kind of people can expect to be looking at? Um, I guess uh, there would be a, like a steep learning curve. Um, um, again, from an engineering uh, perspective, um, first thing you're going to notice is that the code base we'll be working on is much, much bigger than what you're used to in uni. And um, again, you need to be a, a team player. You need to uh, know, uh, uh, know how to communicate with your team. Um, and, so, uh, so because uh, other people uh, are also going to be looking at your code, so um, uh, they also need to understand it. And, um, yeah. So, from your point of view, um, like new entrants coming into video games, what what kind of thing can they be expected to learn straight away? Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry. sorry. No, go for it. No. no. 
sorry, yeah. Um, from a, the first kind of years are, you'll feel, I kind of want to expand on Dale's point, you'll feel really at your depth. And I think that comes as a shock because a lot of the time when you come out of uni, you think that's it, I, sh I know everything, check. Like, and uh, you don't, and that's what you learn on your first day and it's terrifying. And you, I think a lot of people can have a tendency to then internalize that and be like, oh, well, that's a failure on, on my part. I don't know enough somehow. Um, when it's not, it's you are expected to be learning and you, it's known that you'll be on this steep learning curve and, and feel free to, I think it's important to talk to people about how you're feeling and being like, I'm a bit overwhelmed right now. Um, was it like this when you started? I do a lot of kind of, I like to try and talk about imposter syndrome quite a lot because that that's kind of what to expect in your first few years, like very early starting out, it, it can feel like that and it's worth being aware of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think imposter syndrome is such a wild thing. Like I've definitely dealt with it throughout the years and it's really hard when you think it's just you going through it, but actually then you realize, no, actually everybody feels like this all the time. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's absolutely fine to, to feel like that. Erin, what about you on your first sort of uh, day? Were you also chucked into this, into this deep oh. end and gone, Oh, actually, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually know nothing. Oh yeah. And, um, and, to talk about imposter syndrome the the first thing about it is everybody else is going through it but i'm the one actually experience it and it's like <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um yeah to talk on a kind of i guess more technical side of things um mm. the industry that we're in it's it's so fast paced in terms of like the skills and stuff like that you learn like the the things you learn at uni it, it literally sometimes you'll move into a job and it'll be like no actually that's a bad practice oh, wow. um so but that's okay like that <laughs> you, you you learn that's the the stuff that I did and knew at the four years ago is so yeah. so different to what I would do now yeah but yeah just got to be flexible and ready <laughs> when um DL I'm gonna ask you when you were first applying for uh jobs do you have any sort of tips um for other people who are going to start applying for jobs for their first job in games um well uh, it's i guess uh it will apply to other uh, job applications as well uh i think one of the common problems of um, new graduates is that they don't know how to write cvs uh, they don't know how to uh, present themselves uh, in, in cvs and cover letters and portfolios so they could uh, definitely uh, you know uh, research uh, uh, on that stuff. Um, I guess uh, most uh, important thing would be keep like your CV like concise, easily readable, and make sure um, uh, all the you put all the keyword the skills the keywords in the uh, to prove that you're fit in the role. Yeah. Amazing. Erin, how about you? Do you have any sort of tips for people who are applying for their first job? I know it's quite a broad thing, so anything you've got. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, it's just coming back to like what, what Zoe was saying earlier about, you know, not everybody who goes into games necessarily came from a games background. Mm. Um, but like, if you can find some way of having a little example of, um, you know, if you, even if you do a, a game jam on a weekend, you know, having a, yeah. something in your portfolio to show 
you kind of know what you're talking about. Um, it's just such an easy thing to look at and be like, yeah, no, that's great. That's a really interesting thing. Like, it, is it become, would you, I mean, as people who are bringing on people into businesses, would you look for that as sort of, as an example of someone go, oh, well, that person's obviously passionate because they're doing stuff in their own time or? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and it's it's great, like speaking from the animation side of things, um, mm. there's so many people who, do like animation for films and stuff like that but it's it's such a different field animation for films and animation for games mm. like it, it's just it's nice to see that extra level of understanding and yeah yeah amazing Zoe how about you what are some of your tips for people who are just starting to apply for their first jobs maybe I would say don't get wrapped up in the list of qualifications and skills because uh I before and I, I think it applies to quite a lot of underrepresented people in the industry but I know specifically this is women is that um, they're quite a job when they reach 100% of the, the listed skills right. whereas men in general are going to apply if they reach 60 per fridge um, yeah. so I, it kind of ties back to that imposter syndrome thing of if you look at a job application um, Sorry, I've just seen my internet connection is unstable. That's great. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but basically, if you see a list yeah. and you you fit in general, don't apply. The worst that they can say is no. Whereas if you don't apply at all, you're already self-rejecting and taking yourself out of that pool. That's brilliant. I think that's a that's a, definitely a huge thing that I think a lot of people would see that maybe I don't I, I I don't have this I don't have that but I think I will be good at this part of it I think that's a really interesting thing because lots of people would just be put off then um by doing this so I think that's a really important thing not to um day die you're a uh, you're a managing director so I'm gonna ask you like are there any absolute no-nos uh that you've seen that maybe I mean you've been in the game a long time I'm sure you've seen some stuff uh but are there any yeah. absolute no-nos when it comes to applying for your first job well, we've we've actually uh, one of our team members sort of sort of stalked me, I think, right? In, in a nice right. of the word stalk, right? But he was definitely wanting to work for Wheels Interactive, right? He was an animator. Okay. I don't want to say his name, not to embarrass him. But <laughs> I, we kind of made a job for him, but he didn't exist, right? Because he was that passionate about working for us, right? Um yeah. I'd say all the points have been raised a spot on, but it, it really is initiative is still a word I'll use a lot, right? It's researching. Because luckily now with obviously the internet, we're all connected. We can find out respective companies really easy, find out kind of what they're looking for. And then this sounds really weird, I know, right? I come from an art background, which is portfolio based. Mm. A lot of people from creative industries will put everything they've ever made in a portfolio. Whereas in life, if you edit yourself and know what to push forward for that particular company, that can help you by limiting while you're pushing forward rather than and everything, you know, and I worked in test scores and I did this and I, you know, yeah, yeah. But, but essentially, you know, the, um, I, I would say, yeah, that I, the, the, the cover letter is quite important, you know, demonstrate the, your enthusiasm. Your CV obviously demonstrates uh, sort of your academic, but it is that, that word portfolio and that can mean anything from, uh, it was mentioned, I think Aaron mentioned that if you can work, if you're working on a project which has nothing to do with uni, has nothing to do with um, the job you're in, it's just you're working with, you know, people who might be programmers or artists or musicians or whatever, that demonstrates you have a passion and that's really attractive for an employer because 
means again you're showing initiative and you really love what you're doing and also Di, like i was just wondering because i've worked in jobs where we've had people apply and you can almost tell that they you know they're applying for a hundred jobs that day um, yeah. would you recommend to people to definitely sort of read the uh what application they're applying for and sort of tailor their application for that particular job i think so um so again how i got in the games industry was a different world because literally the internet was in its infancy so you couldn't google stuff right i had to use the initiative i used with the boxes on my desk that i would buy in the games boxes i took them around and i wrote off to the addresses right and what i sent them was what I thought communicated me, you know, uh, a CV, which wasn't a traditional CV. It looked like uh, a Windows dialogue thing. So I thought that would be cool to do. That make it stand out. I sent my show, Real Sell was on a VHS tape and I'd spool out, because the tapes are so expensive, three hours to post. I'd spool out two and a half hours to put my three minute um, uh, trailer on. But even then, I would know that for one company, I wouldn't send exactly the same footage because that's not what they did. So I would send yeah, yeah. part of my portfolio. So, I mean, I mean, with, with that sort of stuff, that even though technology has moved on and skills have moved on, it's a similar sort of thing you have to do, really. You have to sort of, yeah, you can blanket send, but equally, if you can pull that personal touch, then, you know, you've got to believe that somebody's going to, you know, it's going to shine out in a, in a pile of stuff that's coming in, you know, in the deluge of the big companies. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend and, you know, he's doing very well now. I think he applied for a, a job, uh, his first job as a developer, and he wrote a rap uh, for his CV and a music video. And that's what he sent in. Um, have you ever had any rap sent into you guys at all? <laughs> <laughs> a, I think that's a resounded no, but I mean, don't let that put you off. Um, you know, that's absolutely fine. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, Zoe, um, with regards to streaming, because you mentioned streaming before, how much has sort of streaming changed the way that you guys look at making video games now? Sure. So I can't, I can't speak uh, entirely on, on my part um, because I don't have much in that sense. But I think in, in general, streaming has become such a, a massive way of marketing your game is this idea of like, I, I see so many, I've got a lot of friends who are indie developers as well, um, who, and, and some that run production companies and marketing companies. And a lot of what they do is reach out to streamers to be able to create a relationship with them early on in the process so that when their game comes out, they're like, yeah, we can give you keys for this and, and, and things like that. And I think a, an important thing to think of if you are making a game yourself as well is, is what is, like if, you, if that's a market you're trying to uh, hit really, um, yeah. then what is it that you, like what's, watchable about it what's entertaining as well in a game factor can you um, make sure that there are gaps and, and breaks for a streamer to kind of take what they have and, and run with it usually um, but I, I do think it's it's it, like in the last five years in particular the rise of streaming has been so interesting in watching how differently everyone interacts with games and how you essentially get viral games now yeah. for for periods of time it's yeah it's really fascinating to watch 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, I was just going to ask this, I'm going to go through all of you and ask this, but I think a lot of people who are starting out in games, maybe they've just done a degree and they're fresh out of uni. I think a lot of people, you know, look at applications, I certainly did, and it would, I would look at applications and just go, it would ask for X amount of experience. And that, that can be such a hard thing to look at because you go, well, I don't have any experience because I've never, I've never worked there, but I can't get this job because I have no experience. So Erin, do you think that that, how can people sort of get around that barrier? Um, or how my, did you get around that barrier? <laughs> I was going to say my uh, instinct no is just to be yeah. like, ignore it and go for it anyway. Um, but right, yeah, you're, you're, it. you're right. It's, it's, um, I, I don't like, we, we personally don't really, aren't really looking for too much experience for a lot mm. of the positions that, um, we've been asking for um, like me personally I, I came out of a, a a competition that formed a team um, so I, I guess I never really went through the official hiring process um, but it's it's interesting the amount of people that I see coming through who are so talented and don't have that mm. previous experience. But I guess it goes back to what you're saying as well as like you know if you don't have any official experience, make your own experience as well. Like, you know, go along to game jams and things like that. I think that's kind of what you were trying to say earlier. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think as well, like you don't need to necessarily make that the same amount. Like you don't need to go to three years worth of game jams to, yeah. uh, to, like, to do anything like that. But I know that from, from my point of view, the role that I applied for didn't exist when I yeah. uh, worked there, I just emailed because I'd seen that there was a role online that was a, a tools programmer, which was above kind of where I was at. It was a mid-level role and I was just a graduate um, mm. and just starting out. And I, I emailed the recruiter and I was like, hey, this is pretty much exactly what I'm looking for, but I'm not qualified, like I'm a junior. Um, and they said, okay, well, let's talk. I'll talk to the team, see if they'd be willing to take on a junior instead and, and things like that. So always just reach out. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I completely agree with Erin. Ignore it. Like <laughs> the, the kind of years of experience is kind of just a, I don't know, sometimes it, it doesn't sit right. Look at the skills a lot more and, and, and like, oh, do I know the language they're asking for? Have I done projects in this before? Am I, am I this kind of person? And see if that suits and fits with you better. Absolutely. That's amazing. How about you, DL? Did you have much experience before you went into your first uh, game job? Well, uh, yeah, I, uh, um, I've been uh, an iOS developer for seven years before I shifted to game development. So I did um, have some programming experience. But what I would like to add to what have already been said um, is that uh, you could overcome that barrier by building a strong portfolio. Um, uh, 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 if you use the technologies and uh, you can look at the uh, job descriptions and see what technologies they're looking for. And if you, you use that technologies in your own personal projects, then that could be, you can add that as an experience as well. Incredible. And Dai, like, you know, as a, again, as a managing director, would you be put off by getting an application from someone, you know, oh, they don't have this amount of experience, but you can quite clearly no. see that these people are talented? No, the um, small companies are slightly different. We don't use the CV. So bigger, bigger companies will use the CV in HR to, to already ask people, right? Right. 
for a small company, you all come through to our inbox and you all get judged on not just, oh, they've achieved a lot, their qualifications got. It's more about them and what their portfolio is, depending on what their skill is. So it's all, we always have to meet the person just to see, are they going to fit in? Do they like us? Do we like them? No, and then you go on that journey then. But we all, everybody we fired. So my team, um, we're all graduates now, and they're not now. They're all in our team capable of competing with the best in the world, but they were all yeah. uni, and we knew what were they going to know making, but we were PlayStation 3 at that time, so we got PlayStation 4 and 5 now. Mm. We know about those platforms, nothing, because we've got to learn, you know, and, and that will move, yeah. and that will happen, you know, as we move forward with, with that. So, I mean... It's one of those things that they are markers, but it always it comes down to enthusiasm, passion, and what your skill is for us always, you know. Yeah. Because we want you, we you to add value to us, and us to add value to you, you know. It, you go through in your career, and and the other thing I will say as well, I'm, I'm called like so basically, right? I I own my own company, right? So I'm a great example of this. Sometimes you got to hire yourself as well, you know. So the the reality of it is I got made redundant three times in the games industry, the industry I love, right? Uh, one time I got made redundant after having our third consecutive number one game, right? Um, so the industry is ruthless, but equally, if you're project-based, which I am, I don't need to be paid by somebody to define what I do. I like mm. in things, right? Writing stories, video games, whatever. I'm, you know, as an artist, I even did this monstrosity sculpture on the side here. But the point <laughs> is, I'm a creative beast that likes making stuff. So sometimes back when I was younger, I was getting paid by people, the job, you know, but really the reality was project-based. So no matter what happens, I'll always make something. And as it happens, some of those things we made, we end up making a, a company out of, of that same energy, you know, of creating. Yeah and trying to find an audience and growing it so i mean there's still that route as well entrepreneur route, as well as being hired by for your skill you know so basically what i'm what we're all saying as well in is uh if anybody is watching this and reach out to one of these four people and they'll definitely give you a job is basically like and if they don't come and speak to me on twitter and then i'll, I'll let them know that's fine um i'm gonna ask you uh zoe what's the most challenging part of working in the games industry Ooh, an interesting question. Mm. Hmm. I think in, in my role specifically, Brilliant, yeah. there's a lot of um, jumping around in a day-to-day, -day. like tools programming, you can be working with a lot of languages at, at once and things like that. So just like a real challenge there is like jumping from context to context and having to have the ability to switch that kind of brain quite often. Um, Erin looks like she has something to say. <laughs> Indies. <laughs> Sorry. <Yes. laughs> no, 100%. That is, the, that is the most challenging thing is NDAs. Yep. <laughs> it's just, it can be quite creatively stifling sometimes when, you know, four, week, four years of work is completely reduced down to like three second gift that maybe you can show. Uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. So is that an NDA on like the work that you've been doing or something like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's you know working on a project for X amount of time and mm. um not being able to show it because it, it's it's a it's a competitive industry at the end of the day and yeah, you don't want to give yeah. away all your ideas. Yeah. Yeah. 
DL, how about you? What's the what's the most challenging thing of uh, part of working in the games industry? Uh, well, I would have to say it would be uh, well coming from again from an engineering perspective. Um, it would be uh, having to know and do a lot of math. <laughs> Um, so uh, I came from, uh, well, uh, not all areas of programming uh, require uh, heavy math. And I came from uh, mobile development. It, I don't really need to uh, do like, uh, lots of math uh, like you would, you would in the game programming. So that, yeah, that's really one of the uh, hardest parts for me. How about you, Dai? I think some, I think all the panel members, members have touched on this earlier, actually. It's, it's that, because um, we, we are platform-led and that, that changes constantly, then things that we learn one year, we go around and learn the next year. So it's like, oh, you've got to do it this way. And the next year you say, oh, you mustn't do it this way. So I mean, that <laughs> constant sand that moves underneath your feet, right? I've been doing that. So I got my first PlayStation 5 game out uh, at the end of the month, it's made a scare, Gav, which you did. The, the I love it. Brilliant game, game, yeah. Um, but I started in the game industry when it was Mega Drive, so I released on PlayStation, which was known as PlayStation 1 now, but I, I called it PlayStation at the time. Yeah. PlayStation uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So wow. the, the amount of what my way, my skills and knowledge have changed that is, is, is immense. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and it will continue... Uh, that's why I love about the industry as well is the thing, is the double-edged sword, the fact that just when you think you know it all, you, like, you know, the next thing comes along and you've, you've got to upskill again and you've got to sort of relearn again. So that's the, the double-edged sword of, uh, of the games industry. Really. Probably done with the games industry when you stop finding things that exciting, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I think the most exciting thing about video games is, as you say, like, and it seems like you're still excited about it and everyone's still excited about it, like how it just changes constantly. Finally, on our questions then, before we uh, go over to some Q&A, um, I'm going to go through everybody. I'm going to start with you, Zoe, okay? So if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice on your first day in video games, what would that be? I've been thinking about this quite a lot, and I don't know if it's advice or more uh, industry secret, of no one knows what they're doing yeah yeah Yeah, warning it's just like no one knows what they're doing I think so often there's quite a lot of uh a lot of publicity of people in the games industry is thinks of it as quite a young industry still and so quite a lot of the people that you can compare yourself to sometimes if like if that starts happening are are people who don't seem that much older than you or or might be younger than you or have different like less experience or or anything like that and you start going oh and and it can be a really dangerous road of of kind of being like oh I, I should be doing this now and I should be doing that and but in reality no one it kind of does expand on everything that people have been saying. No one knows what they're doing because it is such yeah. a fast-paced industry that changes every like all the time, and and you are always constantly learning. And don't feel like you are the only person that knows nothing. Because yeah, the first few months uh, in industry, I asked basically no questions because I was yeah. scared of being found out and being told like, oh, you know nothing, you don't deserve yeah. this job. Bye. Like yeah. 
I think that's a really scary thing. I think that's about being an adult. It's like when you're <laughs> a kid, you think that adults have got everything worked out. And then you just go, well, I'm 35 now and I still know nothing. And I'm still learning stuff every single day. I think, you know, to not be afraid of learning that, I think is, uh, is, is quite scary. Um, DL, how about you? If you could go back uh, to your very first day and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you do? Well, uh, that would be kind of a follow-up to what, to what I said. Um, earlier uh, I would definitely tell my younger self to um, improve your math skills and pay more attention to your physics uh, subjects um, uh, especially if you want to uh, specialize let's say in graphics or game engine programming something like that but yeah as I said uh, not uh, all areas need um, those uh, like math math and physics so yeah there's still a lot to explore amazing erin how about you um i don't know if this is too specific but no i love it, Go for it. <laughs> you know working smart not hard doing like a two second thing really well instead of trying to throw yourself into the everything at once um just build it up don't don't go for everything at once yeah. I love it. Dai, can you remember back to you? I mean, we're, we're going back now, aren't we? My God, black and white. Um, I would say, <laughs> I would say to myself is don't wear the suit, Dave, right? So <laughs> basically, something, one of my family said, you need to dress smart on your first day. As a young Welsh guy moving to London, the big smoke, <laughs> I turned up looking like a salesman. And the guy, the team I was in, the program had pink hair, the other guy had a Mohican. I thought, I probably overdressed you for this. Uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I never that in the cupboard, I never wore that again. It's been jeans and t-shirts ever since, you know. But um, uh, yeah, looking back on it, it's, like I said, the, I, I still have the passion for it, you know. So, you know, in hindsight, I wouldn't look back saying I've done anything, I would have done anything different. I would just say, you know, keep keep calm and carry on, basically. You know, because the um, uh, like I said, it, it's something that uh, uh, I still love making and creating things and and selling. You know, new games and finding new audiences around the world. And that that hasn't died. Like, you know, that time. I think that's a like a interesting thing as well. It's particularly like early on is if you get knocked back as well to kind of not take that personally or not take that as a huge thing and to keep on going. Zoe, I see yeah. you nodding there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you, but you all will, you know, because it's the same. I, again, this has been talked about by all the panelists. So sometimes you feel as if you're the only person going through that, you know, well, yeah. you know, success or failure. And it, when I do lots of these events, you know, we, our companies, one, you know, have been nominated for over a hundred awards. We've won loads of stuff, right? But you don't see the the failures are less talked about because mm -hmm. that thing is not. People don't, you know. It, it, the news stories are either really, really successful or real car crash, nothing in between the blend, you know, and, and the reality of it is all of our careers are up and down and we have to uh, sort of roll with the punches. But equally, you know, failure sort of inspires me in a weird way. People pat me on the back is not very inspirational. But people say you can't do it. That inspires me to want to do it. You know, that's, that's always been the driver for me in academia. Yeah, and, and completely you're like right about it not being a personal thing of... Um, like I, I applied with the kind of reach for 
the stars type thing. I applied for an internship at Pixar. Of course, I didn't get it. Um, and I got a rejection letter and it was uh, it was very nice, very basic. But also it was like, I think they were looking for three years of experience for an intern. So it, re it rela relates to all the points we've talked about before today. Of ignore the experience, just apply. You might get rejected. Don't take it personally. <laughs> I love it. That's brilliant. Um, okay, cool. So we've had some amazing questions coming in uh, from the people watching at home. I wanted to kick off with this one from Harriet Jones, which I think is is absolutely bang on here. Um, and that question is, what advice do you have for people looking to break into the industry where location seems to be a big factor or a barrier? So for people in Wales and Scotland, Erin, I'm assuming you're Scottish from your lovely accent. So did you see that? Was that a, a huge barrier for you? Yeah, um, that I think that that's definitely a, a barrier um, for a long time. But this is the weird time that we're in just now. I think is the perfect time to just kind of go for it because we are working from home and things like that. Like I, I know so many people in Dundee who are working for companies in Cambridge. You know, it's it's definitely a difficult thing, and you move around a lot if you do kind of work project based. But yeah, go for it. No How about you, Zoe? Was was Scotland a barrier? Cause... Uh, sorry, my internet broke up ever slightly oh, there, but fine, I think yeah. it was that's just the, that's <laughs> the fun of Zoom, man. That's the I fun know. of Zoom. Why does it happen? Uh, so yeah, kind of. Um, I was in England at the time, um, and I was kind of down south as well because I was studying for a master's, and and I do think that. I when I was growing up I thought video games were only made in America for example like mm. it was kind of a thing of I, I it seemed like a, a barrier I completely agree with what Erin says now that we are all working from home there's flexibility in that it's not saying that every company that is currently working from home is going to be working from home in the future but there's opportunities for discussion there much more um but yeah there are also like in Scotland in particular there are a lot more companies than you think there are like for example in edinburgh alone there's rockstar uh, there's epic games and there's uh, unreal just as the kind of bigger names alone and there are hundreds of indie companies as well around there are there's much more than you think is around you Guy, right, you obviously i mean i'm guessing from wales interactive you guys yeah, are based yeah. somewhere i am i am the wales. welsh girl yeah um, funny thing is my like, business partner is english mate but yes i am the welsh oh, no yeah um, but do you, I mean, have you ever, I think it's definitely a thing in in sort of smaller countries, particularly like Scotland and Wales as well, because I think Celtic people can be quite hard on themselves uh, naturally, I think it's part of our DNA. Um, but uh, do you think that maybe, you know, Welsh people need to kind of get out of that mindset and go, yeah, we might be a small country, but that means you, you know, you've got, a, I mean, you guys are based in Wales and you call yourself Wales Interactive. That's, yeah. you're very much making a big statement there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, so the last year, I mean, the positive thing about COVID is the fact it's changed employers' mentality on working from home. So I know if you if you are breaking this this last twelve months, I've never seen so many jobs advertised for remote working. So that's a positive mm -hmm. for people out there looking to wanting maybe not be in the big cities, right? That there now is an appetite not to hire if uh, to hire if you you're not necessarily based in those cities, right? Yeah. Um, as a guy coming from Wales, though, it was, I had to move, I had to move to London to get my toe in the door. Um, once the toe or the foot was well and truly in the door, I knew I was going back to Wales because I loved where I was from. You know, I, I worked in a team where 
one of the members of the team who was sort of like my um, Jedi master, and I was his Padawan. He'd never, he lived in Richmond. He worked in Putney. He went to school in Kingston. He'd never moved within 10 miles of his life because he didn't have to, and he loved where he was from. And I realized I'm from the Rhondda Valley. I loved it, but it's like, it's supposed to be the most deprived place in the UK and wherever, right? But I still live here. Um, it's just that, that there was an opportunity and because of technology that's changed that now so that I can make, you know, uh, I, I suppose, uh, you know, we sub 4 million video games that are all made in Wales, you know, uh, and published from it. So that, that means that technology has allowed us to do that and you don't have to be in a big city, uh, which is, is nice to know now. Um, you made me feel really bad about coming to London and not leaving for 14 years now. <laughs> you come back, come back to our office anytime you want, girl. Exactly. Yeah. DL, how about you? Do you like, do you, do you think that people now should not look at location as a barrier? Um, yeah, in LinkedIn, I've actually seen um, a lot of recruiters ad advertising where they, uh, they're open to remote working. So yeah, I think it's a really, it's a really good time for opportunities. Actually, uh, this uh, location bar thing, it also did, uh, it was, uh, well, it's not really a problem, but it's like a hassle because a lot of companies uh, on your final interview, they would request an on-site interview. So there was a time I need to um, travel from Dundee to London just for an interview. So, oh, wow. yeah, but uh, considering that uh, most companies, uh, they're still uh, working from home. So I think this is a really good time. Um, this is a really good question from Roger, uh, who says, you mentioned how important communication skills are. Do you have any advice on how to improve them? Zoe, I'm going to ask you that first, if that's okay. Ooh, I honestly, this is a, a strange one. I always think people should take some sort of drama class, but that might be from where I came mm. from in the background. Like, I think it's one of those things that opens you up quite quickly. Um, and I think uh, attending as many events as you can um obviously we're in, we're in a bit it's a bit more difficult at the moment um but the more kind of diverse people that you can meet outside of your own bubble at these kind of events the better that you will get in understanding different opinions uh, different viewpoints um managing to to talk to people that might have different viewpoints and things like that as well and, and just making sure that you're actually doing these there's a lot of good um conferences well conferences like this are, are great but there are also good conferences on on hopping and things like that where they have rooms that you can like breakout rooms afterwards that you can go and talk to still on zoom and, and still be able to interact um that's specifically for for communication and and i think that's yeah it's going to help you with a, with a lot of different viewpoints i think Di, how about you? Can you do you have any tips on how people can improve their communication skills within you know the games industry? Oh, it's always very nerve wracking. So again, I come from an art background, so we had to in art college. You'd have to stand in front of your classmates and show your work and describe it, which was always nerve wracking. Just to thirty people, you sort of kind of knew a bit, you know. So I mean, I think the main thing comes up with stuff like that. The everybody will feel uncomfortable. No matter if you're as slick as guys are presenting, right? Everybody underneath will, will feel like they're going to die inside if they stutter or they, they, they say something a bit wrong, right? And that's the thing to know sometimes that you haven't got to, you haven't got to be amazing at it. But essentially, you know, communication, if we talk about how my team communicate, 
we because we're obviously remote at the moment we use discord and mm. people some people in our team are not ever going to present right they're not that sort of people right everybody in our team is slightly different we got the people who out really go in some that are more insular and and and, and want to feel a bit more uh, i suppose comforted right so mm. it's always really different but Honestly, with that thing about communication, communication can be just the, the fact you can write your cover letter really well. Do you know what I mean? You can mm. communicate in that. It doesn't have to just be presenting to somebody and trying to hold your own. It's literally, how am I going to present myself? How am I going to communicate why you should hire me, you know, uh, in your team? You know, so to, to, to get better at that, you just got to do more of it and probably do it badly to start with. And hopefully you get, you'll be get better doing it the more times you, you do, you know. Amazing. DL, how about you? Worst bit of advice ever that was with Gabriel. Well. See, that, that's an No, I love it. It's good. Waffling, yeah. right? yeah. <laughs> it was great. People will find it helpful. DL, how about you? Do you have any sort of tips on how people can improve their communication skills? Uh, I think uh, you should uh, practice with your friends. Like maybe uh, let them read your CV or cover letter and see if they understand what you're, uh, what you're actually doing, what you're applying for. Like that, and Erin, let's uh, let's go to you finally for that one. Man, if you can tell me how to improve my communication skills, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's yeah, practice with people you're comfortable with, do it bad, do it lots. Yeah, it, everybody's in the same boat, same as what everybody else has said. <laughs> Uh, this is another amazing question. It's from Jack Hughes who says, um, What is something that motivates you under pressure? Die. Let's go to you first for that one. Oh my God! That, that's under pressure. So that's more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I thought. Good. You look too relaxed. That's what it, yeah, you look too so relaxed. Under like, pressure. Oh, it is always criticism, right? It's really weird, right? That you know, ten people and nine could say nice things to me, and that one person who wasn't very nice that really fuels me. You know, and, of course, and that's a good or a bad thing, but. It might be come back from where we're from, uh, Gav, a, a negativity of, uh, you know, being a Celt or whatever. But, yeah, I, I get motivated by people saying no, basically. Oh, yeah. That, that really motivates me, you know, still to today. That's amazing. DL, how about you? What what motivates you uh, under pressure? Uh, well, I guess it's just like school, right? The, the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's... Uh, re- really gonna make you make uh make work done <laughs> but uh yeah um well when you're making games uh you know people are gonna play your games use your games so i think that also uh motiv- motivates me to uh, make it better and you know amazing erin how about you what motivates you under pressure um i couldn't tell you what happened the first time but i know that once I made something good, like thinking, okay, I could do that again. Um, <laughs> and that, that feeling of relief that comes afterwards, just looking forward to mm. that. That's what will make what, what motivates me to get it. through it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. And Zoe, how about you? Keeping my job. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> just, uh, I, I completely agree with you. Like the game at the end of it, seeing that is such a a boost it it really kind of 
can help motivate you know that you're making something that other people are going to see and that's great and it's really exciting and even on the tough days I'm like this is going to be so worth it even for especially in tools I don't generally see the game so I get to play it when it comes out and I don't get anything spoiled and that's really exciting for me as well so yeah it's a lot of fun amazing um, I'm going to end with this one because this came with a really, really lovely comment as well. This is from Sibi, um, who just said, thank you for this. This gives me so much hope. I'd nearly given up on being a games developer. Um, I thought I'd only do regular jobs, but my future might not be too different from what I'd hope when I was younger. And it's especially nice to hear from women in the industry. I would love to work with any one of you one day. Thank you. Um, and she asked, uh, so just to end things then, apart from a degree in computer science, for, for instance, what other skills would be useful for someone who wants to get into the game industry to learn? Um, I'm going to go to Erin, you first, if that's okay. Um, there's so many f- free software that you can download to just mess about with and just get a little bit of experience and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, just mess about <laughs> with stuff that's out there. See what other games companies are already using. Lovely. Uh, DL, how about you? Um, well, this is not really a skill, but I would say that if, you're uh, playing while you're playing games uh, do take note of uh, the elements in the game that you find fun and, and enjoyable uh, which part like worked for you which didn't because uh, uh, to be a well to be a good game developer you need uh, what makes a game good as well so you need to have that player's perspective so I guess that's important too. And Di, how about you? Yeah, there's, you know, the good thing again about, you know, uh, in today's uh, age is that there's lots of online tutorials and stuff, you know, whereas that's a resource now of people, again, uh, showing how to, whether it's downloading Unity or Unreal and and using your skill in that engine, whether it's putting your, your first animation in there or if you're a programmer doing your first little bit of code or whatever. So, Use the online tools, the free resources, set yourself your own little projects outside of your courses or, or your job. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, um, you can upskill in that way, which will help you when you, you're climbing your games industry ladder. Lovely. And finally, Zoe, to you for the last word. No pressure. Uh, I'd say time tracking and uh, source control. They're the two things that like you don't really learn that much and then on your first day you're thrown into and you can learn them on the job but it's going to make your first day a lot easier if you already know time tracking, time management and source control. Definitely those. (laughs) Perfect. Guys, honestly, thank you so much for giving up your time today. Um, We hope you've enjoyed the discussion at home. Please do join in the conversation on BAFTA's social channels using the hashtag, hashtag guru live. And thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.